The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Welcome in to our Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio in Lexington. Glad to have you guys on board with us today as we will visit with Kyle Tucker from The Athletic and Chris Fisher from catspaws.com. And we'll jump right into our Wildcat News of the Day, which is presented each day by Kentucky Beer Cheese. Julius Randle, named most improved player in the NBA yesterday. And if you want to see something that will just melt your heart, uh, watch the video of Julius's son, I believe his name's Kaiden, making the presentation to his dad after the Knicks practice yesterday. And... Julius had a smile about as big as Texas, where he's from. So there's a really cool uh, video. You can find it uh, online if you have not already seen it. Uh, Julius Randle averaged 24 and 10 for the Knicks, 41 double-doubles, which was top 10 in the league. Former Knicks assistant Mike Woodson, now the head coach at Indiana, gave a lot of the credit to Kenny Payne's work with Randle. We had John Schmilk on, who does the uh, Knicks podcast. Uh, he was on the show last week, and uh, he gave a lot of credit to Julius for being able to look in the mirror and admit that there were some things he needed to do better. Uh, got in the best shape he's ever been in, uh, expanded the skills that he had to become a better shooter, uh, other things, and passer, and it paid off with an improved performance that got him this award. And I think to win an award like this, you have to be most improved, and you have to elevate your team. And he did that as New York improved by 20 wins, became the top four seed in the East in the playoffs. They have uh, game two coming up tonight against Atlanta. So congratulations to Julius Randle. Baseball, Florida eliminated Kentucky from the SEC tournament yesterday in the first game down in Hoover, Alabama, 4-1. to one. Mostly a story of missed opportunities for Kentucky. They continually put two and three men on early in the game and could not come up with the big hit. That's been uh, one of the stories of their season. They also gave up three unearned runs to the Gators. And if you're the 11th seed trying to knock off the six, you know, you just can't do that. We talked about uh, that in the uh, Vandy series where they uh, didn't get a bunt down when they had a uh, chance to get guys into scoring position. Um, you you can't – you've got to be mentally tougher than that, and they just were not this year. So hopefully they can learn from it and uh, come back with a better season next year. Uh, I would imagine that uh, the old uh, seat – We'll be getting a little warm for Coach Mingione if uh, they don't get it turned around next season. I think he's obviously fine for now. But um, they uh, got off to a nice start, too. Won five of their first six league games and then uh, unable to build on that. Did have a key injury uh, to a starting pitcher that uh, changed up their uh, rotation. Had to pull a guy out of the bullpen to become a starter. And so 
those kind of things become sometimes a domino effect. But still, just a, a disappointing end for a Kentucky season that started out on a promising note. Athlon Sports is out with its preseason magazine. We talked to you a couple of days ago, I think, about the various Wildcats that were named on their preseason All-SEC teams. Athlon predicts Kentucky versus West Virginia in the Liberty Bowl. So that would probably mean about a seven-win season, they would be thinking, for Kentucky. Um, I, I think most all of you are looking for more than that. Um, I mean, going to bowl games, uh, winning your share of them, I think, those are uh, important elements to building a program. You saw with Kentucky Volleyball. They kept knocking at the door in getting to Sweet 16s, the occasional Elite Eight, and finally they kicked the door in this season and won it all. And so that's kind of what you're, you're having to do in football in this league is just keep producing good seasons, the occasional better than good, the occasional great, and maybe this is the year. I I, uh, I think they're very close to, to having – one of those breakthrough seasons when they win the East and get to Atlanta. And uh, maybe this will be the year. A lot of it's going to – we'll talk more about this when we get closer to the season, but a lot of it's going to depend on you know, the quarterback play, I think. And uh, we'll see how things look with the new OC. But uh, we'll get into this with uh, a couple of our guests. Anyway, that's the prediction from Athlon Sports. In the NBA playoffs last night, uh, the Lakers got back on track, even the series with the Suns behind a stellar performance from Anthony Davis, 34-10 and 10 with seven assists and three blocks. He played poorly in game one, uh, but bounced back really strong last night. And the Suns got 31 in defeat from Devin Booker. Tonight, game two for the Knicks in Atlanta, and a lot of focus on Julius Randle to have that kind of bounce-back game. He didn't have a good first game for the Knicks in uh, his first playoff game with them as the leader now for a team and uh, we'll see how he responds if he can come back the way anthony davis did in game two for the lakers liam draxel uk tennis has advanced to the quarterfinals of the ncaa tournament ousted the number 10 seeded player from tennessee lost the first set again he's like he's like his own version he's a one-man version of the comeback cats he continually loses the first set comes back and wins in advance so he's in the quarterfinals now and uh wish him well as he continues his pursuit. He's the top seed in the tournament for the men's singles, so hopefully he can uh, bring uh, another national championship to Kentucky. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at townleachky.com. We're heading to a break. When we come back, we'll chat with Chris Fisher from the Cat's Paws on the Leach Report Radio Network. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at TomLeachKY. We welcome in Chris Fisher to the program from CatsPaws.com. And uh, Chris, we'll start with a little football because you have a, a story up about uh, the rather high opinion that the folks at Pro Football Focus have on Kentucky running back Chris Rodriguez. Yeah, uh, Pro Football Focus has him as the highest-graded returning player in the SEC, not just running back, player overall in the SEC. And I think under uh, first-year offensive coordinator Liam Cohen, he's poised for for a monster junior season. I, I think you know fans have been clamoring for Chris Rodriguez to 
touch the ball more, and I think that's going to be Liam Cohen's first directive, and, and he understands that. He said they're, we're going to get Chris Rodriguez the ball as, as much as possible, and I think you're going to see him not just pounding the ball inside but catching uh, passes out of the backfield as well. I think that will add uh, an entirely new dimension to uh, to his game as well. It uh, kind of sounds like he will be the, the, the focal point of what they want to do in a lot of ways. Yeah, and 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 why wouldn't he be? I mean, he's really. Uh, you look at, at last season; he was the the bell cow for uh, for that Kentucky offense, and I think really, you know, he still has what feels like a relatively small sample size at Kentucky. He split carries with with AJ Rose, and then you know last season I think he missed two games uh, of the ten that Kentucky played, and. Still ended up with you know almost 800 yards uh, rushing has one of the highest yards per carry average in Kentucky football history had one of the highest in the SEC last season but we still haven't seen him be able to be unleashed and I think that's that's what we'll see uh, next year. I really liked what they did a few years ago with Benny Snell. It was uh, I guess the first year Benny broke out. I think now he he was uh, uh, Boom was the starter and so. Benny would come in in the in the second quarter, and then they kind of uh, lean on him heavily in the fourth quarter as the closer. Rodriguez, I, I'm sure, will start, but you could start with him. You got ch- guys you could change the uh, you know change pace with, uh, and then maybe you uh, you know little dose of Rodriguez in the third quarter, and then ride him hard in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's going to be such a, a talented running back room for. For Kentucky, I'm anxious to see what Jatan McClain uh, can do. I think he's poised to take a big jump. If Cavassier Smoke can remain healthy for an entire season, we've seen what he can do. Travis Tisdale is another guy that I think hasn't done as much to this point in his Kentucky career, but is a really, really good fit for what Liam Cohen wants to do. Uh, offensively, Lavelle Wright is another guy that's been drawing rave reviews in his short time on campus. And so Kentucky definitely, uh, even outside of Chris Rodriguez, has a lot of weapons at that position. I was really impressed by what I saw of Wright, which, granted, I didn't get to, to see a lot this spring. But, uh, uh, you know, he's it's going to be hard to, to crack that rotation um, because of the guys in front of him. But um, that is tells you how deep the position is. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Uh, I think it's going to it's going to be so interesting to see what we get from Liam Cohen in his first season as as offensive coordinator and really how different that will look than what we've been used to under Eddie Grant and and Darren Henshaw and I think throwing we haven't seen a lot of passing to backs out of the the backfield and Kentucky really hasn't had a lot of guys that really fit that mold as much. A.J. Rose could do it a little bit. Cavazio Smoke could do it a little bit. That wasn't really Benny Snell's uh, forte, um, but um, it's definitely going to add another dimension to the offense, especially if you can combine that with uh, guys like Wandale Robinson and Isaiah Epps and Josh Ali uh, with some quarterback accuracy that will be able to stretch the ball down the field and take the lid off the defense. I think it's going to open up a, a variety of things for Kentucky underneath. In the uh, Athlon Sports preseason magazine, I was referencing in the opening segment, they've got a lot of different predictions. And But another interesting feature they do, and you'll see this sometimes with uh, uh, college basketball, but uh, this is one where they uh, t- 
talked to opposing coaches and got opinions on the various SEC teams uh, anonymously from opposing coaches. I would imagine it's probably a lot of assistance. Uh, but you get some insight into what uh, people think about the program you're following in this case we're talking about kentucky uh one of the uh, interesting comments that i I saw in this is uh, the real this is an anonymous uh, coach for another team the real question is if they're going to open the offense up since that held them back last season how much more are they going to throw the ball mark's basically built a really smart really disciplined big 10 west type of program with a lot of ohio guys and some sec skill position talent they have a culture and they don't stray from it so i can't imagine them taking a lot of downfield shots uh i don't necessarily agree with that because of 2016 i can understand why somebody would think that when you look at at the recent sample, but in 2016, um, Stephen Johnson threw a really good deep ball, and they had guys that could get open deep in Bedette and Juice Johnson, and so they were a, a little like the, the old Oakland Raiders of the 60s and 70s with a power running game complemented by play-action deep bombs, and they were very good at, at taking those deep shots. Um, and they haven't been as good in recent years. Uh, you know, Terry just wasn't as good throwing that that deep ball as Stephen Johnson was. And um, now, if they can get that back, if the quarterbacks can execute it, if the receivers can get open and make the catches, I think they'll take those shots if they believe they can hit them. Yeah, I think those are all fair points. Kentucky hasn't had the accuracy at quarterback in recent years to connect on. Uh, those deep balls and frankly haven't really had the playmakers at wide receiver to connect with uh um again we talked about josh ali we talked about isaiah epps those are two guys that can get down the field wandale robinson has tremendous speed although i think he'll be operating more and yeah fans tend to think that you know mark soups is this ultra conservative coach who you know wants to pound the ball and you know manage the clock and let his defense take care of the rest. But I definitely think uh, if he didn't want to open it up, I'm not sure he would have made that change. And um, so I'm interested to see uh, what Liam Cohen's offense looks like in year one and how representative of, of him the offense is versus him tailoring his offense to uh, the pieces that, that he has on the field. I think that's going to be a, an interesting balance there. We're talking with Chris Fisher from catspaws.com. We'll continue after this time out. It is the Leach Report Radio Network. Twenty six past the top of the hour, chat with Chris Fisher on Twitter. It's at Chris Fisher twenty four seven. you had a, um, a story about uh, what some of the CBS guys were saying in the recent podcast, Gary Parrish and others who uh, cover college basketball. Uh, and I thought there was one interesting point in there that uh, one of the guys made that you wrote about in your story, that if Kentucky had been better last season, the roster they put together might be ranked higher for this coming season. Uh, and I uh, tend to agree with that. And I think maybe that would uh, you know benefit Kentucky a little bit. They're always probably overranked. Uh, at the start of the season because they've been so freshman-dominated, you didn't know what they had, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I, I do think that 9-16 and 16 record kind of taints uh, the 
idea of this Kentucky team, and it's you know, it, but it is really hard. It's hard to go from nine and sixteen to uh, a, a legitimate national championship contender unless you're signing John Wall and Demarcus Cousins and, and Eric Bledsoe. That worked out uh, pretty well for Kentucky in 2010, but um, it's the, it's hard to understate the offseason that John Calipari has had. I mean, when you look at it from a, a bird's eye view, you signed a 2,000-point scorer in Kellen Grady. You signed a 47% career three-point shooter in C.J. Frederick. You signed a, an all-Big 12 performer in Oscar Shibway. Two projected lottery picks in Damian Collins and, and Ty Ty Washington and the SEC assist leader in Severe Wheeler. So any way you slice it, I mean, that's a tremendous, tremendous haul for uh, for John Calipari in transforming uh, this team. And it's not just the talent, uh, I think, that is important. It's the pieces and how they fit together with not just what John Calipari wants to get away from last season, but what he wants to get back to. I think those players have that toughness. They have that edge and they're going to be arriving on campus I think in the next week or so and so getting them on campus this summer is just going to be uh, huge for them to, to come together and which was one of the big failing points of of last season obviously no no fault of their own. Sky Clark uh, is going to be on campus soon as well taking an official visit and uh, I guess there was some concern that uh, there might be a, a risk of losing him when the with the coaching staff changes right? Yeah, I thought there was at least a chance that he would maybe not decommit from Kentucky publicly, but kind of explore uh, his options. But it sounds like uh, he's he's locked in with with Kentucky. Set an official visit for for June the 11th. Obviously, the the recruiting dead period has been in effect for well over a year now. That lifts on June the 1st, and I think you're going to see uh, a lot of activity as far as Kentucky is concerned, getting guys on campus for unofficial visits, official visits, uh, coaches getting out on the road and recruiting once again. We've seen a a flurry from activity from Kentucky over the last week or so, making guys top fives, extending new offers in the 2022 class. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be an exciting time for sure. Chris, thank you for the time as always. All right, thanks. That's Chris Fisher. You can read the stories that we were talking about with Chris at catspaws.com. We are headed to a break halfway home on this Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. Kyle Tucker from The Athletic when we return. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Second half of the Wednesday show. That's when we bring in Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com to uh, join us here on The Leach Report. Uh, you, hopefully you have uh, seen by now his uh, great story of on Anthony Davis's uh, memorable year at Kentucky that culminated with the school's eighth national championship, um, an oral history where you got some some great stories on Anthony, and uh, it uh, is a nice read for folks who haven't seen it yet. Off what uh, Davis did last night, he didn't play well in the first game, but he sure bounced back strong last night. Yeah, that would I, I would have predicted that after, and he kind of came out after that first game and sort of owned it that it was on him and and uh i would have thought he'd have a big game last night and he did he, he had a, a very 
for uh, kind of in relation to that story where John Hood says he's a, uh, Anthony Davis is an alien. Um, <laughs> he had a sequence that will be familiar to Kentucky fans. He came came from behind with a crazy block real late in that game, and it was still in, in the balance, and then comes back down the other end and bangs in a three as a almost seven-foot-tall guy. He's uh, he's a, an extraordinary talent. Kind of flirted with a triple-double last night, I think, 34-10-7 and three blocks. Um, you know, and that's we, we just kind of saw the beginning of that over the year he had in Lexington. It was a lot of fun to, to work on that. I teased it like a year ago it was when I was working on a couple other things as one of the big projects I was working on, but I, I, I uh, it, it took some time to piece together all the folks that were involved in it, and there were there were a couple more that I really wanted to get that just never could uh, connect with, but it was really fun to, over time, just to listen to people tell their stories about Anthony Davis. Usually I would start every one of those interviews I did about 15 i think um with just letting the person i'd I'd say you know let's just start with this what when i say anthony davis what's the first thing you remember or what is your best anthony davis memory and they were always there was always something good and then the more people talk the more things kind of popped into their heads and just hear some stuff i'd never heard that I, i thought the most interesting person i interviewed was the equipment manager at the time he's not the equipment manager now but his name was bo rodriguez and he uh, works, I think, in in real estate uh, there in Lexington now. But uh, he was a great talker, and he told some stuff I'd never heard, like about the the night that uh, everybody remembers that kind of bunch of NBA guys stopped through town that summer before Anthony Davis freshman year because of the NBA lockout, and they kind of famously played against the basically the whole Thunder team when they had the big three: um, Harden, Westbrook, and and Durant all were there. Uh, and beat them in some pickup games and, and really put those folks on notice. But LeBron had come through also during that summer, and, and I never had heard this. Um, but the equipment manager said that all of a sudden there's this big ruckus uh, in the in the you know locker area or in the area where the managers are getting stuff ready at, at the craft center, and a, just a huge noise and people banging on doors, and he opens it up, and the whole craft center is just filled with people as far as he could see. <laughs> and Cal Calipari comes in, and after after it's all cleared out, they had to get the fire department out there to clean it, clear out the people. Um, Cal says, "Let me see your phones. Who tweeted?" And uh, one of them says, "No, no, uh, LeBron tweeted that he was here." So LeBron had tweeted out, you know, he was hooping with Rondo and Boogie Cousins and the c- current Kentucky team, and apparently, like everybody that was within running and walking distance, just converged on the craft center, and it was uh, I found doors propped open, I guess, and. Uh, were uh, mosh pitting inside the, the craft center. There was another uh, story in in your article where, uh, just speaking to the freakish athleticism that Davis had before he polished the game, it, just in small stages over the course of that season, and to a, a much greater degree now. But how they uh, they had a drill that he blew up the drill just because they couldn't account for his athleticism, right? Yeah, the Anthony Davis rules. Uh, you know, I thought that was a really interesting thing that came out of it. Just that there were there were things that Cal had run. Um, you know, Will Martin was a really great uh, resource for that, and uh, Brett Dawson. Everybody around here knows he worked for the Courier Journal and and uh, Kentucky Rival site, and then worked for us at the Athletic for a, a while. Um, 
he was when he was still with the athletic he was working with me on that and he talked to will will's got such an interesting story he was a, a student manager and then you know he really worked with anthony a lot worked him out a lot and then uh anthony hired him as his like personal trainer when he went to the nba and then now will is um uh, at missouri western and has hired a couple of kentucky guys john hood included uh on his staff there and will's a really bright basketball guy so he was really interesting in terms of just like specific really specific developmental memories and that was a big one was that the ad rules and a bunch of people other people confirmed that that was true including cal that there were just all these drills that cal had run his whole career everywhere he'd been that were just basic drills that that you don't think twice about one was a two-on-one drill where the defender is like I think kind of at the top of the three-point line and two offensive players are on either side of each other, you know, coming from half court on, on, on two opposite sides of the court, and you kind of skip it over the defender's head, and that, that usually starts the drill, throwing it over the defender's head, one player to another, and then it's a two-on-one, and the one defender is uh, is trying to get back and, and defend that play. And Anthony Davis, one day early in practice, just leaps up as the initial pass over his head goes by and, and catches it, <laughs> snares it out of the out of the air and 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 blows it up. And he, he does, Cal stops and they run it again. He does it again and they have to just basically scrap that drill or create a new new rule for it. And apparently that was a frequent thing in practice. Just everyday career long drills that Calipari had run, he had to alter. Or Cal said sometimes he, if if he was just too disruptive or discouraging to his teammates, they would just pull Anthony to the side and say, oh, you sit this one out so that, you know, you don't, you don't want, and when a guy like Anthony is so uh, intimidating defensively, you don't want to create like bad habits in your, in your players, your other players who won't take good shots because like there's no other player on the planet that's going to block it, but Anthony is. And so you get guys all of a sudden trigger shy. He was a, a, a once in a lifetime dude. Yeah. Initially he was, mainly catching lobs and, and blocking shots. But uh, sitting there with Mike Pratt doing the games on, on radio, and you know, Mike's a longtime coach and scout, and he it was just interesting to uh, listen to him talk about what he was seeing Anthony, how seeing Anthony grow from just week to week, uh, adding things to his game became you know much much more polished offensive player by the end of that season. Even though he didn't score well famously in the national championship game. Yeah, he's always got the defense and rebounding to go back on, but to fall back on. But yeah, he that was a big part of his story is just how he developed because he had been a guard and and he obviously had some guard skills. He had no post skills and and. This little nugget had actually come up in the Kenny Payne story I worked on, but it was revisited again in, in this uh, oral history of, of AD that, that he's still in Kenny Payne's phone uh, as baby giraffe uh, because that's sort of how he was, you know, this skinny, unsteady, giant, tall thing uh, when he got to Kentucky and they had to really teach him uh, offensive post moves and how to maintain his position and both Cal and Kenny and others remembered a moment in the, the game at Florida at the end of the season where uh, Davis posted up on the block and uh, came across the lane and, and threw up a, a left-handed jump hook where he was a million feet in the air. and It was beautiful and perfect and went down, and it was that was one of those things that, that him and Kenny Payne had worked on. He and Kenny Payne had worked on for the entire season, months. They, they talked about 
shooting thousands of those. Uh, and, and Cal and Kenny both said, you know, when that shot went down and he did that so naturally, what they'd been drilling and teaching all year showed something that he did not, just absolutely did not have when he arrived, uh, that they knew that he was, you know, it was all, it was all up from there because he, he was going to be, become unstoppable. And obviously that, that was the case. And then, you know, you watch, just watching some highlights and watching, going back through some of, his his games late in that season. Uh, if you look at the raw numbers, you go, well, he really never shot threes, and he didn't. But late in the year, he did. He started to like he'd make one or two a game in that in all those late season games, or he'd make a long two point jump shot, and he was making those hook shots. And I do remember covering him at the time, going, man, he's he's about to just be able to do anything offensively. And obviously now he's become a, a, an NBA, you know, semi regular three point shooter and a good one. Um, it's just remarkable to have that skill set, you know, at that size. It's uh, at theathletic.com. You can uh, go read that right now. We'll take a quick break. Come back with Kyle Tucker on the Leach Report Radio Network. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. From the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, it's the Leach Report. We're chatting with Kyle Tucker from theathletic.com as we do on Wednesdays, we're talking about a past Kentucky team. Let's talk about the one that's coming up. And at this point, we're just waiting on Brooks, Mintz, and maybe uh, Jackson, right, to to make final decisions. Uh, hearing anything on uh, how the the trend is looking on any of those decisions? Yeah, I really hadn't. I really hadn't checked in here lately, just because I, I feel like at this point. It seems like the most likely outcome is the two guys that are in the draft stay in the draft, and then I don't see any reason that Keon's going anywhere in that in that case. And um, you know, it, it's going to be really interesting whenever Keon eventually talks again, especially if he does in fact stay. Um, you know, if he just has the attitude like, "What what did I need to say?" You know, I was <laughs> I didn't I didn't go in the draft. Uh, I was I stayed here and, and worked out with my teammates, and now I'm here to play my junior season. Like that, I didn't know I needed to make an announcement. Uh, obviously, obviously at Kentucky it's a little bit different. Uh, I think everybody, you know, in the fan base, maybe the coaching staff, although they probably have a better sense of it, um, would appreciate it if he would just let them know for sure <laughs> that he's coming back. But um, you know, I, I don't think at this point there's been anything. Um, uh, substantiated anything, um, you know, reputable that suggests that he's not going to be at Kentucky. So that would be my guess on how it goes that the other two just get on with their uh, pro dreams and that Keon is back. But, um, again, you know, I've said this every time we talk about it and I, I, it continues to be true. It, it, it is still notable that that they have left the door open because like at some point guys that are dipping their toe in once they know that they really want to be gone they 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 go ahead and go all the way in you know and uh you know they they hire their agent they they let their agent send them to a training facility and pay for all that and you know that has not happened yet so it's going to be um that'll be continued speculation until they till we know for sure they're all the way in yeah, I mean, even things like, uh, and 
I know it was only a nine-win season, but David Mintz was a popular uh, player with fans. He could you know, pick up a little money on the uh, autograph signing tour in the summer months. But you have to yeah, can't do can't do that until you're all in. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, you're right. That, that that's true. Uh, you know, in terms of yeah, if he was all the way in and he wanted to go do that now. Uh, the other piece of that that I think would be very helpful to Kentucky and others, but I think very helpful to Kentucky in some of these iffy decisions, but also in the combating of all the various other outlets and options that top prospects have now, G League and this new overtime league and just these other programs that are battling them for these uh, high-end players, is if they could go ahead and lock down the name, image, and likeness uh, legislation mm-hmm. and and players ASAP. I mean, I think we 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 all believe it's going to happen and pr- potentially for this season, uh, for this year. But we, it, you know, it needs to happen for for some of these schools and for some of these athletes that are making these decisions because it does matter. Um, you know, even Dave, even in Davion Mintz's case, if you thought you could come back to Kentucky. And be signing autographs next year, and you know, you know, or Isaiah, like Isaiah Jackson. If Isaiah Jackson knew for sure that he could cash in on his name, image, and likeness this next season at Kentucky, I think it would be a very strong appeal to him. A guy who I think is like a, a high end player who is legitimately torn. I think ultimately, you know, just the common sense of like, don't pass up a few million dollars. If while it's on the table, even if you think you can make a few million more next year, will probably prevail and he'll go. But I think he's really torn. I think he and his family are really torn about the idea that he may not be really, truly ready, And but you just got to take that money. Well, what if he could come back to Kentucky and make a ton of money, which he would on a great team as a, you know, the star, you know, freak show athlete, Isaiah Jackson can make a ton of money. I think he would. There'd be a much more realistic chance that you could pull a guy like that back, or that you could go win the battle with the G League for a top five recruit if you if that was already on the table at a place like Kentucky. Isaiah is projected, I think, eleventh or twelfth in ESPN's latest mock draft. NBA Draft.net has him projected thirty fourth. That's pretty unusual yeah, to have that I- kind of disparity, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I think we I think Sam Bassini has him at the athletic in the twenties, maybe, uh, maybe in the in the high teens now. But I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of disparity in the various projections on him because of the re- for the very reasons that I think he's a little bit torn, like from a from a physical, athletic, you know, gift, you know, his natural gifts standpoint. Um, he's a lottery pick, but you know, is he mentally ready? Does he understand the game at a high enough level? Does he process it fast enough to to play in the NBA where it's a million miles an hour and and much more complicated? Is he is he physically ready to take a you know beating against grown men in that league? Uh, does he have the the professional work habits yet to do it? Like, and if he doesn't, none of those things mean he won't ultimately reach his potential it just means he's a 19 year old who um i think only recently has realized like how good he could be and and then what will it take uh to pull that potential out and kentucky is kind of a place where you can figure that out in a hurry 
Um, and so, you know, the people that have him projected really high are betting on the the raw materials. The people who have him lower are looking closely at, at his game. I mean, as, as spectacular as he was last year, if you really study some of his games, you can see that he was lost a lot of the time out there. And a lot of the stuff he did was just because he can do some stuff physically that very few human beings can. So, you know, if I was doing a mock draft for him next year, I'd put him in the top ten. Um, this year, I'd probably lean more towards people that have him in the, you know, in the 20 to 30 range. Yeah, and I know that's what uh, Pratt has consistently told us uh, he's been hearing somewhere, you know, maybe 18 to, to 25-ish, and that was you know, last time we talked to him a couple weeks ago on that subject. Kyle, thank you much. Great read on the uh, Anthony Davis story. And uh, also, Kyle's retweeted one that he did on Kenny Payne last year with the connection to Ju- what Julius Randle's doing now with the Knicks. So check those both out uh, by following on Twitter and reading at theathletic.com. Thank you. Thank you. Be right back to wrap up this edition of the Leach Report. It's the Leach Report, and we have a few Wildcat birthdays to take note of. Ramon Harris celebrating a birthday today. Uh, the late Ed Davender lost Ed much too soon. Um, paired with uh, Rex Chapman in a very dynamic backcourt, uh, ADD uh, would have celebrated his birthday today. And this would have been the 73rd birthday for a Wildcat legend, Mike Casey. And uh, Larry Vaught noted in a tweet uh, remarking that occasion that uh, Casey's jersey needs to be up in the rafters at Rupp. And uh, I would agree with that. Hopefully he'll find his way to the U.K. Athletics Hall of Fame before long. It'll be a good uh, summer topic. At some point we'll get Oscar on and talk about the uh, the names that uh, have gotten maybe overlooked that need uh, a little championing, championing uh, of their cause. We'll be back tomorrow with uh, Mike Pratt, Justin Rowland, and more. We'll see you then on The Leach Report. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at